This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you, you have absolutely no case. Here is a weird one out of Texas. This is kind of fun. There is a judge who was uh, recently elected in Houston, and uh, on social media, uh, he shared plans uh, to run for the state Supreme Court. He's just been elected. And then he says, okay, now that I'm elected, I'm also now going to run for the Supreme Court. Here is his problem. The Texas law, the Constitution, considers an announcement to run for an office when you're already in office as a resignation of that office. In other words, by the very nature of him announcing he was going to run for uh, the uh, higher court, the state Supreme Court, he resigned from the lower court. You go, well, what do you mean I resigned? Read the Constitution. Uh, there it is. Article 16, Section 65. A judge's announcement for candidacy for another office shall constitute an automatic resignation of the office that then held. And he's not really happy about it because he just lost his job. And he hasn't run for the office. He just said he's going to run for the office. So just the announcement that he's going to run effectively says, I resign. So he is fighting it. Now, uh, the county commissioners can appoint a replacement for him, but he's arguing that they can actually have him replace himself pending a special election for the office. It's an elected position. He has resigned. They have to hire a replacement, and his argument is, make me the replacement. And there's nothing in the law that says that that's not going to happen. So I think uh, I would go for it. Hey, it was a mistake on his part. Why not? So uh, we'll see if uh, he wins it or not. My guess is he probably will. All right, let's take some phone calls. Hey, Arnold. Hi. Yes, you're yes. up. Welcome. What can I do for you? Yeah, um, the thing is, when when I had a letter saying that I had a ticket without issuing you a ticket, is that okay? Uh, yeah, no, I don't quite get that. They didn't issue a ticket, okay. but you got a ticket, so I don't quite understand. Okay. Did okay. they tell so, you? In, did you tell you where you were and yeah. what time? Well, okay, this is. Like, I drive for a lift, and I was waiting for a passenger, and apparently I was on the curb. I mean, on the red zone curve. Okay, fine. The, the parking enforcer came over and told me, oh, sir, you have to move. Okay, fine, cool. You were here, and I'm in a car. Okay, I can't move anytime. And then when I went on my business, almost a month later, I received a letter saying oh, that I had a ticket. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've never heard of it, but I can see it can happen because you leave uh, immediately and they don't have a chance to put the uh, ticket on your windshield. But, yeah, I can see that. I can see that you can get a parking ticket. Um, yeah, I don't think it's illegal. I don't think there's anything that they're doing wrong because it makes all the sense in the world to give you the ticket as you're driving off. Okay, well, then I guess you raised my case. Yeah, I think so. I think you don't. Yeah, I don't think you have much of a case. Hey, Lupe, welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you, uh, sir. Um, I've got a, I've got a th- difficult situation here. Um, I have a six, 16-year-old son. Um, he's a really good kid. He's got no, no tattoos, what have you. But he did make, 
you know, some mistakes. And I also made some mistakes. Um, he originally, his crime was that he took something not out of the premise area, but uh, it looks like a like a like a phone or something like that. And when he was there at that place, it was like a store or something like that. And he was there with his older brother, and his older brother had an older friend. And he thought it was a wise thing to do of taking the rap for the whole thing. And the the owner of the store never never filed charges, but I guess uh, just about a year before, um, my, my wife and him get summoned to court, and they charge my son for that for that. And, uh, Even though the owner of the court, of the, so the owner never called the police. Uh, the, I, I, I'd have to look back at the at that. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make um, any sense. How did the police? How could he get charged if no cops showed up? Right. Um, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah, I, I I don't know the answer, almost, but uh, almost a year. But now I've got a serious problem. Okay. Um, he he went on to. Like I said, I made mistakes by also uh, submitting him in the. Uh, I thought well, I thought it would be a program that would benefit benefit him. Um, he he skipped on his probation the things that he needed to do, and which was uh, pay restitution, some kind of restitution, uh, and also some kind of anger management stuff like that. So he ends up being put in the juvie in juvie in juvie. Then from there he went. He goes into a placement in Pasadena. From there on, I went to see him like for about a month and a half, two months, and he constantly, he was constantly being like a, uh, he was 15 years old and he's constantly being saying that he was being bullied and I saw a bunch of scars on or bruises on his, on his, uh, on his show, on his shoulders, arms, what have you. He was losing a lot of weight. I kept on telling the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, person that, that hang, hang, hang on, hey, Lupe, hang on a minute. I'm a little confused. So he gets picked up for shoplifting, uh, and uh, the no charges were pressed, uh, right. but he's still convicted somehow. He never went to court. Uh, he just had a conviction for shoplifting. And then where's anger management coming here? So n- none of this makes any sense to me. Right. Um, well, <clears throat> I'm, I'm a truck driver, a local truck driver, but I'm, I'm never really... You know, never okay, Lupe. None of the you, I, you're, but you, nothing makes sense up to your questions. Shoplifting, anger management, no charges. Uh, don't know about a conviction. Ends up going to juvenile hall uh, because uh, restitution, and uh, he had to do something else as opposed to simply not going. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm sorry, man. Uh, I, I don't know where to go with this. You made absolutely no sense. Uh, okay. Well, good good for you. You made the show wonderful. All right. Oh, uh, Connor. Hi, Connor. There. Yes. So I've got a question. Uh, this is regarding landlord and tenant law. Mm-hmm. Um, my tenant, I gave 30 days about two weeks ago. Uh, well, I gave 30 days about a month and two weeks ago, and we were uh, moved out about two weeks ago. And uh, she had us pay for the full month and said she would prorate it. And she is not prorating it, since so she's keeping the rest of the rent until the 1st, even though we gave her 30 days uh, halfway through last month. And, uh, and she's also saying that she does not owe us the security deposit until 21 days after the 1st instead of 21 days after our move-in date. I'm wondering if I have a case. Well, what difference does it make? You wait until uh, she pays you or doesn't pay you. 
Okay. All yeah, right. I mean, come on. You're really going to sue her before the 21 days? No, after 21 days because we're approaching. Uh, so, Connor, you wait now. another nine days. <laughs> what, you want to sue her now? No, no, no. Jeez, okay. yeah, okay, uh, gee, do I have a case? Should I sue her now for nine days? It's going to take you that long just to s- file the suit and serve her. Do I have a case? Sure, why not? And uh, welcome back to uh, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handel, Saturday morning. And welcome to Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice when I tell you you have absolutely no case. All right, before we get uh, started uh, with uh, the legal show, uh, there's a couple of changes here, actually one major change here at KFI. I have been on the state, on Saturdays, Handle on the Law has been on from 6 to 11 o'clock, five hours And many of you have uh, told me that you're kind of sick of five hours. Well, I'm kind of sick of you listening for five hours. So what we are changing, we, management, is taking two hours out of the show, six to eight o'clock. And Dean Sharp, who is host of the House Whisperer, Home with Dean Show, uh, Home with Dean Sharp, is coming in at six to eight o'clock. So he's going to be on twice, uh, six to eight o'clock on Saturday, nine to 11 on Sunday, and, uh, Dean, that means it's a seven-day work week for you. Yeah, well, what else is new? It just means another day here instead of working somewhere else. Ah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, it's home with what, Dean Sharp, the house. What did I say? You said, like, eight different things. Yeah, I did. It, it all works. Yeah. It all so works. We, the it's house me, guy. It's me. You know, the home guy. We're at home. Uh, you're not at home. Uh, all of it with Dean Sharp. Yeah, so we're pretty jazzed. We're going to be getting up with everybody on Saturday mornings to help them figure out how to uh, fix their stuff at home, how to redesign their homes, how to tell new stories uh, with their homes. And, uh, you know, the Saturday morning crowd, uh, they're a little bit more motivated, right? We're all getting up trying to get stuff yeah. done. It's going to be a different show than Sundays, just as, so everybody knows. It's not a duplicate of the Sunday show, and we're not moving Sunday. So we're on both weekend days. All right, and this starts April 27th. That is correct. So if you tune in to Handle on the Law before April 27th, you'll and still And you hear, hear a mysteriously friendly voice. No, that's on. That's that's April 27th. Right. Oh, on yeah. April 27th, Believe, if you tune no. in and you hear somebody who makes you happy and encouraged, you know. That's the depressing part. It's not part. Bill Handel. That's the depressing part of not being on from 16. So it's Dean coming in April 27th uh, with a uh, home show, right? Home with Dean Sharp. That is correct. Okay. All right. Let's get to uh, the legal show. <laughs> Hello, Tim. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Tim, Hi, you- Bill. I don't care how you are. Um, I have a felony on my record from uh, from long ago, and... Uh, not really affecting my life any but i just hate having it yeah sure and you want to have it you want to know how to get rid of it well if i could do it myself or if i need well uh, professional all right first of all what kind of felony is it hopefully it's drugs hopefully it's marijuana (laughs) well it stems from alcohol but actually the charge itself fell under the umbrella of assault with a deadly weapon oh okay so you what is the actual felony that is on your record that you were convicted of they worded it differently. They called it assault with force necessary to cause great bodily injury, although there was no great bodily injury. Well, that doesn't matter. We're just talking about the conviction. Uh, so right. it was not assault with a deadly weapon. It was assault 
with was it that's weird i've never heard of that but effectively not as bad as assault with a deadly weapon but it's assault so that you could cause great bodily injury uh and Sue, you want to know if you can reduce uh, that or expunge that how, how long ago was this puppy uh 14 years yeah well that helps you know what? The answer, well, first of all, you doing it yourself, I don't think is uh, very easy. Uh, what I would do is I would call a criminal law attorney. You can go to my website, handleonthelaw.com, and they'll give you the answer and find out, number one, if it's even doable, uh, because uh, felonies uh, in a lot of jurisdictions, and I'm not aware of how it works in California, I don't even know if, if that felony could be expunged. The reason I ask you about drugs, if it was a marijuana conviction, that can be reduced and those can be expunged in two seconds today after the uh, marijuana laws are passed. And I think uh, certain nonviolent uh, felonies can also be reduced or expunged as a period of time. Yours is not a nonviolent one, so go to the website and just look at the criminal law attorneys and say, hey, I talked to Handel, and he uh, simply told me to ask this question. And how involved would it be? If, if, if it's even at all possible, give that a shot. Oh, yeah, no fun. And you don't want to do that. You don't want to do things such as people could die and you could kill them. It's just not good. I know I'm talking about morally. I, mean, I don't care. You want to kill whoever you want to kill. That's fine. I'm just talking about legally and how you deal with it. That's the problem. All right. Andy. Hello, Andy. Yes. Is this Bill? It is. Hey, I love your show. Yes, I you do. I discovered it down in California here back in December, and I've been, I'm in Montana and been listening ever since. Okay. Thank you. But um, my issue is my I went down. My dad was in hospice. And he passed away in January, and he left me his truck and fifth wheel, but we didn't realize that his was the only name on the title. Ooh, okay. Okay, and his wife has power of attorney, and we went down to AAA, which you can do title work at AAA, and they just said when the death certificate comes, she could sign it over. She could sign it over, and is she willing to sign it over? Well, she sent me up to Montana the two titles and the death certificate. And I talked to my attorney, and she said it's very difficult to do things in Montana when everything is in California paperwork. So why don't you just contact the DMV in uh, California? Okay. And just see what they, I mean, and there are procedures doing that because that happens all the time when you have dead people uh, who own property or own cars and you have to transfer them. And so that's not a problem. You want to call the DMV. So here's how it works. Uh, You get a phone number of the DMV, and you call them and be prepared to be on hold four or five days, and you'll finally get hold of them. And you can try sending an email, which will be ignored for five weeks. Uh, But it does work. The Auto Club can also do it for you. Triple A. Yeah, try doing that because they do title changes all the time. Yes. Uh, And I would try Triple A and see if they can help you. And I'm willing to bet they can. And Triple A does a superb job because they have no connection to the state. Oh, okay. Okay, give that one a try. It'll probably work. I have no idea if it'll work or not, but it's a good idea. I always do title changes and issues with my driver's, not driver's license, because that you have to go with the DMV. But anything, registration, transferring property, selling a car, it's always at uh, Auto Club. Well worth joining a AAA just for that, if nothing else. And uh, welcome back. This is KFI AM640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. Uh, pleasure having you here. 
And this is Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. All right, Adrian. Hey, Adrian, welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Bill. I need your help. Sure. Uh, my boyfriend's ex-wife killed herself two days ago. Wow. And we're trying to... Yeah. How'd she do yeah, it? Just hung herself. Oh, that's... Usually women don't do that. Usually they do it with pills. I so, uh, I... I, I know. We were, I, we were I imagine, talking about that this morning. Yeah. So, I... Boy, there's a cry for help. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I'm assuming she had, uh, some, uh, you know, self-esteem issues? Uh, I think she had a lot of mental issues. Yeah, probably. I don't know if she was like staying on her meds and she yeah. lost her job. And yeah, she that happens. Lose her apartment. Yeah, she didn't have much. Okay, but but here's the thing: um, if she owes taxes, which we're going to try to find out, if she has any money left in the bank, does that money go to taxes yeah. first before it goes to paying yes. off like credit card bills? Yeah. Yep. The first. Uh, the, here's the way it it works when uh, any kind of an estate is left and uh, and she has an estate whatever she has the first thing mm-hmm. that is used is for burial expenses that has total okay. priority next comes taxes next okay. comes secured debt next comes okay. just uh, unsecured debt and whatever is left over after that go to the beneficiaries okay I don't think she had a will or anything like that. Well, it doesn't even matter because there's a there's an intestacy uh, issue. Because there's two ways of actually leaving an estate with a will and without a will, and it's just a little more complicated without a will. It has to be you have to file for uh, intestacy, which means without a will. So uh, right. yeah, yeah, you're fine. And uh, now, uh, how long had they been divorced, the boyfriend and uh, the ex? Over 25 years. Oh, okay. So uh, they've been divorced that long, so there's no issue. Okay. I was going to say, yeah, if, it, if, there were, if they were together when taxes were owed, he may be uh, looking at some liability, but no, uh, none. Uh, okay. Now, uh, another quick question. Uh, she has a daughter and a son. Um, are they going to be stuck with any of her bills? No. No. The only thing uh, is there won't be any money left if she owes taxes, credit card bills. Uh, that's all. They are not okay. responsible I, whatsoever. So the only issue, are they going to get or are, are not going to get money? Okay. Okay. Uh, and the last, let, one more. Okay. Uh, she's got a car, but her brother co-signed uh, on the loan. So do we give the car to him? Do we uh, well, it, who, own, who has title to the car? Uh, they both do. Oh, then it's just his car. Okay. Yeah, he just owns the car. If he has title to it, uh, it's just his. Uh, frankly, the uh, lending organization doesn't care who's dead as long as there's someone left to pay for it. Uh, hey, Darla, welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you. Um, I'm wondering how you can prove fraud in an appeal. Well, hold on. There's two different things. One is proving fraud and the other one is appealing. Have you already lost a case that you want to appeal? Yeah, it was a probate estate. All right. And where was the fraud? Oh, God, there was all kinds <laughs> Um, there was a bank statement that this lady said belonged to us kids, and the person that was the administrator got into it, put a block on it, and purged it into the estate account. Okay, um, I'm a little confused. Uh, There was a bank account that uh, was in your name, and it was uh, transferred into the estate account? Yes, it was in my mother's name, and anything that was in my mother's name went to us kids. 
Okay, but wait a minute. Hold, hold on. It was in yeah. your mom's name, and uh, were the kids the beneficiary of the uh, account? Well, anything that was in my mother's name, because it was the estate of my stepfather. No, I understand. So anything in your mother's name goes to the kids. Pursuant to what? What was the instrument that said anything in her name goes to the kids? Oh, one of the bank accounts. One of the bank accounts said... Okay, it's a, it's a little complicated here. I'm a little confused. So the bank account had a beneficiary statement. Were you guys signatories to it? I'm not sure exactly how that went, but okay. I know that I hired an attorney to get what was ever in my mother's name back to us kids because that, that man was my stepfather. Yeah, well, that doesn't matter. Uh, it goes uh, to your mom, and then your mom. If your if your stepfather died, then everything goes to your mom. I'm assuming that, as in that's the normal relationship. And then when yes, she dies, it goes to the kids. But I'm a little complicated. How much money was in that account? Um, I think there was like fifty thousand or something like that. And you hired a lawyer. Yes. For fifty thousand dollars, that was that was transferred illegally, according to you. I hired a lawyer to get what was ever in my mother's name. And how? what was in your mom's name? Now, I'm sure that we don't know because the administrator won't give us no information. But though you, should have, you should have gotten it. The lawyer, having filed lawsuit, would ask for that information. So something uh, doesn't make sense here, Darla. Exactly. Okay. There's been a whole lot of fraud going on in this case. Yeah. And uh, you brought that up at trial or at the court, with the court? At- I told them in my objections, and I don't know if the judge even read my letter. Yeah, my objections. Okay, did you did your lawyer write the letter? My lawyer did not even speak up for us. He just sat there Wait. and watched. Yes, they took forty seven thousand dollars from us and, and asked for continuances so me and my sister could do research. Okay, you may have research. you you okay you may have a me, uh, a legal malpractice case here. It sounds like it, but if there's $50,000 account and you paid $47,000 to a lawyer, something doesn't work. How much money do you think exactly. you, were, you were screwed out of, Darla, if you had to guess? Um, the whole estate, actually. Because <clears throat> my mother owned her own business. Yeah, right? how, how big was the estate, Darla? Uh, I don't even know because the administrator won't tell us. All right, some, yeah, something is uh, up here, and then the, no paperwork looks like it was filed. It looks like legal malpractice. If you paid the lawyer $47,000, he didn't say a word. He didn't put in the documents. Uh, there was fraud, as you describe it, and nothing was said. Yeah, you're going to need uh, a lawyer who practices, uh, frankly, uh, I think you're going to talk about legal malpractice here. That's what you have to do, and possibly... Okay. Can you can you answer this question? I went to Hall of Records, and I took a picture of a document of my mother's off of the computer i sent it to my sister when my sister opened up the document it had a map of china around it well there you are okay yeah yeah that old uh, map of china trick i've seen a lot of lawyers do that darla it's um yeah yeah that's that's a yeah no that's a real issue uh and there's two different kinds of issues the map of china is the worst one i guarantee you uh when they do maps of south america it's a different issue completely it's not quite as egregious uh, All right. My so, mother's, yeah, no, I get my it. Mother's, my mother's gravesite is in an ancient Chinese graveyard. Ah, uh, okay. So here's what I want you to do. I, I think uh, there there's a case here, and it sounds like a good one. As soon as you mentioned the map of China and the document, boy, that just did it. That put it over the edge. Uh, okay. th- we have uh, handleonthelaw.com. 
there are over a hundred lawyers on handleonthelaw.com. And what I want you to do is to uh, get on the website and you'll see all of these lawyers and you can send an email uh, describing what happened. Make sure you talk about that map of China business because that is huge. And to write email every single lawyer and I guarantee you half of them will want this case. Okay, Darla? Okay, that All right. sounds great. All right, good luck to you. Bye. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. This is KFI AM640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handel here, and welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. All right, Michael, uh, what what can I do for you? I love this. You know what? I worked at a Ford dealer for 11 years. When the recession came in in 2008, we all took a 10% pay cut. I was making like $4,000, you know, a month. It took in about 400 bucks every month out of my paycheck. This guy went to buy two more dealers. I feel like I am entitled to get that money back. Oh, uh, you're not. You may Don't be entitled, so? but legally you have no case. He doesn't. Really? Yeah, he, well, of course. Just to, why he, you can't force a pay cut, Michael? Of course you can. And just because he's doing better, you say I want a piece of it. <laughs> well, if you think about it, you know, it's it's just. You know what? I'm, I'm even going to call the owner and tell him, man, I want my money back. Fine. <laughs> and you want, uh, what, 11 years worth at $4,000? So uh, how much you want to check for? Let's go 4000 times, there's 5000 times, <laughs> $50,000, Yeah, Michael, that'll work. I think, he'll, I think he'll just write you a check. I, I, don't, I have no doubts you about it. For me, please. Make uh, it happen. Yeah, absolutely. I have another quick question. Yes. I have, I have another quick question. Sure. I went to a Torito. You went to where? El Torito, El Torito restaurant. Oh, an El Torito restaurant. And you ordered eight oatmeal there. They even have oatmeal at El Torito? You know what? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, uh, and I, I also went, I am a lease driver. Okay. I eat on the streets every day, two, yeah. three times a day. Okay. So I went to El Torito, I went to Pizza Hut, and, and I, the total, it didn't add up to me. So I started looking at the envoy, at the receipt, and they have service fee when i go to el torito you know i know i don't i cannot drink because i'm working so but i go to the bar and i eat the special and they give you a they charge you a service fee service fee oh interesting seven cents never never heard of that never heard of that this isn't tax this is a service fee no idea look I yep. want my money back. No, Michael, it doesn't work that way. No, if you've paid it, you're the one that paid it. You can question it right there, but you can't come back and go, now I want my money back. No, no. God, he has a way of, you know, after the fact, you know, $60,000 ago, I want my money. Here's a service fee you're charging, which, by the way, I've never heard of that. But uh, I have if uh, there are more than six people where they have an automatic gratuity, which, by the way, is not a gratuity. If they automatically put 18% on a bill, that is not a gratuity. That is the cost of your food. Because a gratuity has to be you voluntarily give it. If it's mandatory, that isn't a voluntary payment at all. 
But service fee, eh, I don't know, El Torito? Never notice, especially for 57 cents. What the hell? Hi, Lisa. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. Yes, ma'am. Um, my, my question is, uh, I had a judgment ruled against me, okay, for um, for debt, um, credit card debt. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering um, at the time, well, still, I, I'm unemployed, and I told the defense that I was unemployed. There was no way to possibly I could pay it right then. Now, they haven't gotten in touch with me. The judgment was against me. The only thing they've sent me is paperwork saying, you know, that the judgment is against me. Now, do I have to get in touch with them, or do they? Do I just let it go? Is it okay? Sneak All right. Up on me? All right. Let's <laughs> let's start first talking about when was the judgment entered into? When did this happen? How many years ago? Oh, just just this last year. Okay, last year. All right. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's going to be with you for a while. Uh, now, if you want to do something about it, you have to call them and saying, "What can I do to have the judgment removed?" Because the judgment stays with you for 10 years. And then if they want, they can reaffirm it for another 10 years. So the judgment you have is now accruing interest. So by the time uh, you're dead, uh, you'll be at about $1.3 billion on the judgment. How much is it, by the way? Oh, $800. Oh, just $800? And someone... Yes. Uh, oh, wow. They, All right. They, they took me to court for that, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so it's an individual that took you to court, right? Uh, no, it's a company. God bless them. That okay, that's that very is. strange. Okay, I, big one, too. Okay, I would call them and explain uh, what, what the issue is and say, listen, uh-huh. I'd like to make an arrangement to pay you. Uh, I'm totally broke, but if I can pay you over the next two years, for example, whatever it is, as long out, uh-huh. will you agree to remove the judgment? Okay. Will you agree to uh, uh, effectively dismiss it? And if okay, that's so the case... You're saying they could come after me and then charge me a whole bunch of interest on that. Oh, they're charging you a whole. Oh, no, they're charging you a whole bunch of interest now. Uh, oh yeah, they two hundred dollars. Right, of the actual but call yeah. but call them up, and you okay. want you want to throw yourself on the sword and uh, okay. just say, hey, I'm broke. I want to pay this off. I'm not that uh-huh. kind of a person. I'm not a flake. Uh, I uh-huh. don't want a judgment in uh, for the next ten years. What can okay. I do? Can I pay you over a period of time? And if so, will you agree to drop uh, the judgment to dismiss uh, the judgment? And that's where you want right. to go, okay. Lisa. And you. Thank and you by so the way, much. only uh, just make sure it's in writing that they okay. agree to drop it. Whatever deal you make, fifty dollars a month, whatever for the next whatever. Uh, so you want to have them uh, eliminate the interest. Okay. All right. Say, hey, can you eliminate the interest and let me pay the principal? They may let you. They may not let you. And you want to just beg, Lisa. I mean, okay. you've got to be, your right. dog is dying, uh, your parents have cancer, uh, you've just lost your leg in a car accident. I mean, just go for it. You live in a dumpster, and you can't afford to eat, and you're out on uh, the, on the sidewalk, you know, begging for food. The more, the merrier. This is Handle on the Law.
the law. Marginal legal advice where I tell you, you have absolutely no case. Oh, here's a father of the year award. Man, I like this. And at least it's not a father uh, killing his child or beating his child or starving his child to death. It's uh, it's despicable, reprehensible, disgusting, but at least no one was hurt. All right. Brian Kuchar, Oregon, uh, placed an emergency call and reported an unknown individual had entered his home through a sliding glass door. So officers responded for a possible break and enter and assault. And he said, Kutcher said, when the police showed up, that there was a struggle with a suspect before the intruder fled from the home. And this happened just before the cops arrived. And so a police canine unit uh, dispatched a search for the suspect. By the way, uh, other area residents were panicked by this. Because here's the police dog running around looking for someone and they're scared to death. And so there were, one of the neighbors said there were cops from all over, dogs, the forensic team, they had uh, tape up, uh, scene tape up every uh, everywhere, the crime scene tape. Uh, the neighbor said, we put sticks on all of the doors. I started settling, uh, setting the alarm during the day. I was afraid to be home by myself during the day. And when they arrived to the house, they found Kucher unresponsive. And as the police captain said, there is a distinct difference between being unconscious and being unresponsive. They found him unresponsive. He wouldn't respond to them. So, turns out there was no home invasion. Turns out that he staged the entire situation. He admitted it. He admitted that the incident was staged. And here is the fun one. The cops believe that he staged the break-in in order to conceal theft of money belonging to a non-profit organization that he took and spent inappropriately. And what is the organization? The Girl Scouts of America. This was cookie money. $740 of cookie sales. He is the father of a Girl Scout and was responsible for the money. Now, I can understand if he stole a box or two of the trefoils. Those little shortcake cookies that the Girl Scouts have, fabulous. Some of the best shortcakes. Not Walker's shortcake, which is very dense, you know, the Scottish shortcake. This is uh, the more light, uh, more airy shortcake. Very, very good. That I can understand stealing a box or two. But $740, I mean, the entire amount that the troop had raised. Uh, So, um... He was arrested for making a false report and theft of $740 based on the cookie sales. Wow. Doesn't get better than that, does it? All right. Let's take some phone calls. Hello, Bill. Hi. Yes. Bill, I've got a problem with some contractors that owe me money. Okay. And the work was done over four years ago. And I know we're past the statute. Yeah, that's, and I don't know how to get around that. When you say, I know it's past the statute, doesn't the conversation normally stop right there? Well, they made payments to me. Okay, Uh, well, all right, then that, okay, then you're not past the statute. Okay, because if they keep on making you payments, 
it's from the last payment that is made is when the statute starts running. So you're, when's the last time a payment was made, Bill? About two years ago. You're still good. And that was on a written contract, correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're still good. All right. I've had some attorneys tell me, forget it, you'll never win. And I had some others tell me. I don't know. On, on what basis are they telling you you'll never win? I don't know. I don't either. Because of the work was done a lot longer than four years ago. doesn't matter. If they're paying you, uh, okay. the point is is that if they're paying you, that rein, uh, that what that does is uh, reinstate the contract. Okay. E- even though That's- the work was done. For example, if I bought a house 20 years ago and I have to make payments and I flake on the payments... Or let's say if not a house, because that's uh, those are secured. Let's say I bought a piece of equipment 20 years ago, and I've kept on making payments. Uh, does the argument is well, you bought it so long ago, you can't you, you cannot enforce the contract? Doesn't make any sense, Bill. How much do they owe you? Uh, about forty thousand. Forty thousand. Well, it may be worth the lawsuit, but I'm surprised that uh, because the uh, actual work took place so long ago. I, I don't know where they're going with that. Sure seems to me like the the. Uh, the contract is is uh, in effect. Uh, Paul, hello, Paul. Hi. Yes. I my grandma passed away, and in the trust she left my sister and I the house and some money. Um, the however, there's a will also, and the will uh, names her sister as. Uh, one of the owners of the home, and as well as a third uh, share of the uh, of the money. Okay, well, real. All I have to do is ask one question: Was the home and the money put into the name of the trust? No. Then there is no trust. Then you go to the will, because in order for a trust to be distributed or administered, there has to be property in the trust. And if nothing was put in the trust, there's nothing there to distribute. Got it. So but it the will was dated earlier than the trust. Doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter because uh, you can have a will and still transfer property into a trust. Yes. It, yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. Thanks, All right. Man. So, yeah, you're out of luck, uh, unfortunately, but or fortunately, depending on which side are you on. As far as your the friend is concerned, fortunately, you're out of luck. Because she's getting property that otherwise she would not have gotten. Hello, Elaine. Hi, Bill. Um, I had a question about um, my husband's uh, alimony mm-hmm. paying right now, and if it's worth us revisiting. He was married for 10, uh, 20 years, and he's been divorced for ten, um, and. He, they divided up the house and all the expenses when the divorce happened, but the divorce paperwork was all done by his ex-sister-in-law, who was also an attorney. So I'm just curious if it's worth us visiting. Now. Well, hold on. Just because the, uh, the ex-sister-in-law is the one that wrote it up, I mean, why yes. would you think there's something wrong with it? Um, I don't know if she favored her sister in the deal well it, it does it, but yeah. but that doesn't matter whether she did okay. or she didn't the issue is uh do you get more alimony you're receiving alimony correct no 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 i it's my husband now my oh. husband i'm married oh okay uh, so he's the one that's paying 
Correct. Okay, and it was uh, his ex-sister-in-law who wrote it? Correct. And did he sign off? Yeah. Well, okay, so here's the defense uh, as far as opening it up. What part of this yeah. didn't you understand when you signed it? Um, I don't think, well, it wasn't me. Well, him, he just was complacent, I think, too. All right, well, that, that, there's a, complacent is, okay. uh, yeah, complacent is not a good Got defense. It. Now, change of circumstances is. Yes. You, okay. it, when there's change of circumstances, you can revisit. And mm -hmm. so you're going to have to talk to a family law attorney, a divorce attorney. Okay. And okay. that's we where you go. Yeah, one, you yeah. did. Good. So, uh, yes, we have one this week. Good for you. Okay. Um, and I'm, yeah, driving that. And um, good. And you wanted yeah, to ask me anyway. So uh, something that I probably don't know anything about. And you're going to an attorney and I don't know on your way to the attorney. You're asking me what I think. Wow. This is. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handel here on a Saturday. Welcome aboard, everybody. This is Handel on the Law, marginal legal advice where I tell you you have absolutely no case. All right, before uh, we dive into the legal show, uh, some changes here at KFI. Uh, I have been on from 6 to 11 o'clock uh, doing the legal show for I don't know how many years. And uh, frankly, I'm kind of sick of talking to you from 6 to 11 o'clock. So changes are afoot. And uh, starting April 27th, the 6 to 8 o'clock hour will not be handled on the law. It will be home with Dean Sharp, who's already heard 9 to 11 on Sundays, but he's coming aboard 6 to 8 o'clock uh, to talk about your house. And Dean, uh, happy, always happy for your leftovers. Uh, yeah, you know what that is? Whatever you leave behind. That's fair. That is crumbs, isn't it? It is. Yeah, no, that's true. Anyway, the show will be all about crumbs. Uh, it'll be about uh, building, right, where uh, you can take the scrap. It will be about okay, just, uh, installing just, toilets where you can take the, the extra gasket. Here we go. That little piece. This pieces. is why. This is it why. It will be uh, about you, you buy a box, you know, a Delta faucet. The, uh, the faucet goes in. You get to take the box itself. I think it's pretty clear why you are not hosting the home show. Uh, so a little bit about the home show. Uh, oh, it's everything you just said uh, and more. And more. <laughs> uh, so people who don't know, don't listen to uh, 9 to 11. It's kind of a neat show. Do you want to spend 30 seconds describing it? Uh, well, we're doing pretty much, as far as I know, the West Coast's only home design and renovation uh, radio show. And so a lot of people have missed out on that mentoring of what to do with their homes. Uh, a lot of people have never heard a designer talk to them about their home's potential. So we do everything from the high art stuff and, and here's how we can rewrite the story of your house all the way down to how are we going to fix that uh, hissing, leaky toilet all and right. everything in between. All right. So that uh, starts April 27, 6 to 8 o'clock. And then I, that's 6 to 8 o'clock a.m. And then I follow with handle on the law from 8 to 11. It's going to be bizarre. Uh, it's going to be fun. To For people to. to tune in and hey. hear a friendly, sane voice at at 8 o'clock. Yeah, they're not going to know what to do with themselves. Okay, let's go on with the show. Hi, Amber. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi there. Yes, ma'am. Hi. My boyfriend has not filed his taxes for like 15 
10, 15 years, something like that. Mm -hmm. And he's largely been left alone by the IRS. He has received some letters over the years, but um, let me breathe. Um, (laughs) If he files an extension this year, I'm trying to get him to, you know, get on it. And he's no, no, if he files, they're going to catch him. If he files an extension this year, they're going to look at him and say, where are, where's the past 15 years? He has to file for the past 15 years. Now, has he owed money for the past 15 years? I'm certain of it because he's been an independent contractor. Well, uh, here's what I would do. First of all, you don't screw with the IRS. These guys are crazy. Uh, You have to hire an an accountant for this one, someone who's an enrolled agent. Uh, An enrolled agent? Yeah, an enrolled agent. That's uh, an accountant. I used to use one. I used to use one myself. I'm I'm aware of you know what okay. they are. So uh, and that's an I that, and that is an accountant. CPA. And you have to start looking around and saying, hey, what kind of liability is this? Because uh, if the IRS figures it out, I mean, he's in a world of hurt. He'll never see any money again. Uh, there's he'll right. his wages will be uh, grabbed. Bank accounts will be taken. Uh, it's it's tough. He has he has to deal with it. You can't ignore the IRS. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's why I came in his life and is like, I've been there. You don't want to go yeah, there. No, so you I you, thought, can I at least get you to, if you don't file this year, can you at least file an extension? But well, he has got he can file something. an extension, but he has to let them uh, the IRS know that he's going back. That's what the enrolled agent does. Negotiates with the IRS, says, hey, we're going to go back 15 years. He just hired me, and uh, everything is on hold. They don't go forward. And then they start, uh, he'll file for 15 years. It's going to be an interesting ta- uh, tax return, only 15 of them. And then start negotiating. There's penalties. There's interest. I mean, it's a mess. But uh, a, yeah. a good enrolled agent will negotiate with the IRS. A lot of it has to do with he just doesn't have any money. There's something called an accord and satisfaction with the IRS, mm-hmm. which they accept a deal if they know that this is basically the money they're going to get. And that's it. Again, sure. and, and, okay. uh, yeah, get that enrolled agent. You have to do that. Uh, hello, Leslie. Hi. Leslie, you're up. My mother just passed away with no assets. I brought her to California from Illinois, and she had abandoned a home there. I'm an only child, and uh, the city had demolished her home, and they had been trying to come after her to pay for the demolition of that home. And my name was never on any loan. I haven't lived in that home since I was 17 years old. And I'm wondering if uh, the, that city is able to come after me. No, absolutely not. No, no. Leslie, you're fine. There's there's no issue. They can't come after you. And if she has no assets, they're not going to come after her. So what the property will do, I mean, at some point, I'm sure it's already been picked up for taxes, where your mom doesn't even own it anymore. Uh, because if taxes aren't paid, uh, the government comes in. They'll grab it. Was there a loan on the property, or does she own it outright? Okay, so it'll just be it'll just be for taxes. The county or the state or the city, whatever the taxing authority is, and probably all three at some point because there's a bunch of taxes on it, will grab it and then sell it off. And uh, your mom's in the clear, and you have no liability whatsoever, ever, ever. You don't have liability for what your parents do. All right, you got it. That was a hard, uh, that was a weird. She's calling from uh, Alaska, wasn't she? Yeah, she was calling from Anchorage, and you could tell it was far away. Uh, because it was far away. This is KFI AM640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. Welcome to Handel on the Law. Welcome back. 
for marginal legal advice. Uh, hey, Ronald. Uh, welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you. So I've got a situation where I've got a, a five-year-old grandson and a daughter and the father who is not uh, married to the daughter. And what we're trying to do is change the grandson's name. Um, my daughter was uh, not happy with me when the baby was born. And so despite me, she gave, um, put him, the father's name, on the birth certificate. Well, yeah, because he's the father. Right. But no, 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 no. They named the child with his last name. Okay. Even though, even though they weren't married. Doesn't matter. Marriage means nothing. Right. Being married so, is totally so, incidental to this entire issue. Okay. So, so the, the issue now is that five years later, the dad has abandoned the child after two months. He's also hiding somewhere in Alabama. We can't find him to avoid child support. She wants to change the name back to her surname. Okay. And, uh, and she wants to claim abandonment. Yep. That's exactly, that's exactly what you do, is you claim, okay. you ask for abandonment, and in the abandonment order, uh, the petition, you also ask for a name change simultaneously. Okay. Now, and, one, the, 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 the wrinkle in this one is that after five years of no contact, no support, no nothing, on his fifth birthday last month, the father Facebooked my daughter and said, hey, I want to talk about this. But he didn't give any contact information and so forth. My daughter wants nothing to do with that. Right. Now, but so, wait a sec. He, you can re he can be reached through Facebook, correct? We believe so, yes. Well, it's certainly worth talking to him because he's going to argue he made an attempt uh, to contact uh, the mother and she refused to... Uh, respond back uh, because if he's arguing, I want to go back in the kid's life. I want to start paying child support. Uh, I mean, he could argue almost anything, but he's going. You, you're still going to argue abandonment because is he going to go into court to argue there was no abandonment? No, he's not smart enough to do that. <laughs> then, it, then don't worry about it. Just go right ahead and file the abandonment uh, papers. And uh, if the, now the court will ask, has he been in touch with you at all over the five years? And you can say there was one attempt via Facebook. You can't lie about it. And then the court right. has to say, well, you have to follow up on that. Or the court may very well say that isn't enough. For example, for, or, how long ago was it that the Facebook uh, attempt to uh, was made? It was on his birthday. So it was about a month ago. A month ago. So you go in, and if the father doesn't do anything more... Uh, a one-time attempt and then doesn't go back in and really try to get hold of the mother or and or the son, then that's not considered enough of a contact to say, I want the kid back in my life. The, no court will say, no court will say, oh, he did a Facebook attempt and then he disappeared. Therefore, uh, he can't, you can't use a name. You can't, you can't, I uh, have the court declared abandonment. So I wouldn't worry about it. Uh, yeah, because he's uh, like he gave no contact information. No, I get it. That's part of the argument. That's part of the argument that he can't be contacted. Although I'm assuming you can fall once you have a Facebook contact, uh, you can go back and find out who it was. I don't do enough Facebooking because I there's nobody that I want to Facebook with. I have no Facebook friends. I am not interested in friending anybody on Facebook. So there. Hi, Linda. Hi. Yes, ma'am. I have a question about identity fraud. Uh, Are you on a speakerphone? 
No, I'm on my earpiece. Okay. Well, all right. Uh, it's not wonderful, um, but we'll, we'll, take you uh, off my earpiece. That would be great. Okay. Hello. Oh, Bill. much better. Oh. Well, okay. Go ahead. Okay. I have a question about identity fraud, and it started in the early 2000s. We now we still have a a problem. The collection agency. Um, they have, a collection agency picked my husband um, and got a judgment against him. We proved that it was identity fraud. My, um, the collection agency sold it to a new collection agency. Okay. And Yeah, now they're going after you, too. Uh, how did you prove it was identity fraud? Um, we went, my husband filed, um, filed a, a police report. Okay. And, and and the police and report then, says this is identity fraud, correct? That's correct. All right. And did the first the first collection collection agency they still kept the judgment, all right, even after you informed them this is identity fraud? Correct. Okay. And so they did nothing about it. They didn't dismiss. They told, excuse me. They okay. Told me that I would have to that my husband and I would have to take care of. That's correct. We went. That we went and we got a lawyer, um, a lawyer letter from legal aid um, senior citizen, um, and it was sold to another collection. No, I understand, but all you have is a lawyer, a letter from a, a lawyer that said this was identity fraud. That's all you have, correct? No, we have. Um, I went up to Lancaster where it was. I drove a hundred miles, went up to Lancaster, and I found out that who was served. My husband was never served. All right. So you have to, at that point, you have to do a motion to quash service. You have to do a motion to undo the judgment. You have to do it. You have oh, to go, so- you have to go into court and have a dismissal of that judgment based on identity fraud. Right now, all they have is your word that was identity fraud and a lawyer who wrote a letter. Well, they served a 20 year old black man. It doesn't um, matter. It doesn't matter. Oh, okay. None of it matters. Okay. What happens is there is a judgment against your husband for a two reasons. Uh, well, there's two issues. Number one, it's based on identity fraud, and the wrong person was sued, was served. Yes. Yeah, you have, you're going to have to unravel that yourself. Uh, there's no way around it. Okay. We now have a lien on our house. Yeah, I know. You have to unravel that one, too. That'll all be part of the dismissal. Okay. Unfortunately, unfortunately, you're stu- unfortunately you're stuck dealing with this. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, you can you need a you know I hate to say this, but you need a lawyer. You're gonna have to spend some money. What kind of a lawyer? Uh, any kind of civil lawyer will work. You can go to handleonthelaw.com. They have lawyers there. Okay. Okay. There you are. Yeah. A le- just a letter doesn't do it. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. Uh, Yuri. Hello, Yuri. Hi. Okay, my question is really quick. I bought a 2016 Nissan Altima, and when I went to the dealer, I told them I wanted it because I was going to be driving Uber. And they told me, well, it's a good uh, idea to get the gap insurance. So in case you get into an accident, it covers, you know, the difference of the value of the car versus the loan. So I bought it, and then uh, midways last year, I got into an accident, and my car was totaled from behind. So when I called the uh, the gap insurance to... to for it to kick into effect, they said no because I'm a commercial driver. Right? Yeah, I'm surprised. So, yeah, I mean, I'm surprised the first part got covered. 
So I'm not. I have no leg to stand on. Even no, not at all. Yeah, so you were. So you were rear-ended, and the driver of the car that rear-ended you, his insurance company paid for whatever repair was necessary. Correct. Well, the car was a total loss. Okay, but they paid for. But they paid for the value of the car at the time the yes. accident took place. Right. Yes. Okay. Yes. So now the gap insurance is between the value of the car and what you owe for it, which is always a fair amount when you have a brand new car. And your gap yes. insurance people said no because you were a commercial driver. That is correct. Yes. You have no leg to stand on because they don't cover. Uh, if you look at the policy, it says it, this policy does not cover a commercial driver. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So right. what happened is the dealer kind of screwed you over. Okay. Because you so bought the you you first. bought the gap insurance through him, correct? Yes, to the dealer. Yes. Okay. Well, um, I would actually, you know, I do. I would sue the dealer in small claims court for the difference, and argue he gave you gap insurance and you relied on it, and it was okay. and it was and he knew you were a Uber driver, correct? Yes. Except he's going to lie and say I didn't know uh, that Yuri was an uh, Uber driver. And then there's no way for oh, okay. you, there's no way for you to prove it. So uh, you're screwed. So it's a, a total loss. Total, total, one hundred percent. You need a commercial license when you drive for Uber. I just re up my insurance company, and the first thing my agent asked me was, uh, "Do you drive for Uber or Lyft or any any uh, car sharing service?" I said, "Nope." He goes, "Okay, you're fine." And the second you do, it's a commer- it's a commercial enterprise, and you're not covered under your normal policy. Okay, this is Handle on the Law. But let's pretend we're brand girls, sweet Caroline, free fall of smoke till Saturday night. Before you lose that love and feeling, let's go dancing on the ceiling. Keep on living that teenage dream, paradise city where the grass is green. This is Camp AM 640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. Welcome to Handel on the Law. Welcome back for marginal legal advice. Hey, Diane, welcome to Handel on the Law. Oh, my God. I almost hung up. I'm shaking right now. Oh, my Thank God. You. Me too. So we're both shaking. Excellent. Um, I was wondering if you could explain to me I was assaulted on a fishing boat by the fishing captain. I went to Hawaii for a fishing tournament, and um, he assaulted me. So when I called the cop, I'm having a hard time understanding the difference between the DA and me hiring my own civil attorney. Okay. uh, I'm wondering if you could explain to me how the whole... Easily, easily. One is a criminal, uh, is is a uh, criminal accusation. That's the district yeah. attorney. That is the police investigated. They then turn it over to the DA uh, if the police think there is a case. And then uh, the district attorney decides whether he is going to go forward on uh, the criminal case. Maybe finds a, if there isn't enough evidence there uh, where there is a, a good defense they have or a reasonable defense, he decides not to try it uh, for a bunch of reasons. First of all, it's not a big enough case. Uh, you're not as credible as the captain is. Uh, it's only you said, he said. There's a bunch of reasons why the DA would say no. Now, a civil... Okay, a civil, it went to grand jury. Okay, I'm it sorry? Go to the grand jur- it went to the grand jury. And did the grand jury and- indict? Yeah. And there's videotape, and he's got eleven other um, okay that were 
that were against him. Got so it. They felt there was enough evidence. All right. So now that's good news for you. Now, at this point, there is no rush to get a civil attorney. Then you're going to sue. Based on that, you are going to sue the captain and, more importantly, the company. A special. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, um, sue the captain and who? And the company, the the company that owns the boat. It, he owns the boat. All right. I want his captain's license taken away, and I want his boat taken away. Well, that's not going to be your call. They're not going to take away the boat. Uh, they may very well take away his captain's license. Uh, that may happen. As a matter of fact, probably will, although I don't know enough about that. So that part is going to be taken care of. The boat, you can't take away someone's boat. Now, you can sue him for the assault. This one gets a little bit interesting. You can sue him for the assault and collect a judgment, and you will, because he has no defense. He cannot say he didn't do it, because if he's been convicted in court... His defenses are done. Then it's simply a question of damages. No, you haven't been damaged $100,000. You've only been damaged $2,000 or whatever he's going to come up with. That's his only defense is the limit of damages. And then if you get a judgment, he doesn't pay it, then you can take the boat. Okay. Then you're going after the boat. But I wouldn't even worry about it until the uh the case is finalized and done incidentally even if he is declared not guilty you still have a case against him because the bar on a criminal case is far higher than a civil case on a criminal case the jury has to hold him has to find him guilty beyond a reasonable doubt On a civil case, it's the preponderance of the evidence. In other words, if 51% of the evidence shows he is guilty and 49 shows he is not, uh, then he's guilty on a civil case. Then he's liable, not guilty. If uh, go ahead, no, go ahead. Is there is there a statute of limitations after he gets convicted? Yes. Yes. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. But it's uh, you don't have to worry about it because as soon as the conviction happens, you get a lawyer and you'll be fine. You have to get a lawyer in Hawaii. And I don't know what the statute is in Hawaii, but it's a, it's a matter of years, Diane. So I wouldn't worry about it. So I have a one more question. Yes. Would it, um, I was thinking that it would be better for me personally to hire a civil attorney who could actually sit in on the trial. Yeah, it wouldn't hurt. No, I mean, I don't think a civil attorney is going to. So that he could hear everything. No, I don't think I don't think he's going to. Uh, Diane, I don't think he's going to. And you're going to have to go through it twice. Diane, no attorney is going to sit in on a case on a criminal case uh, under these circumstances. What he's going to do is simply get the criminal uh, judgment and or the criminal uh, decision and then take it from there. Uh, And yeah, you'll you'll do fine, Diane. I'm not worried at all. All right, hon. Take care. Wow, she was pretty affected by that. No kidding. Uh, yeah, yeah, assaults uh, are... And even if she collects the boat from him and sells it for, what, a couple hundred thousand dollars, whatever fishing boats are uh, uh, are worth, uh, certainly not worth the money. She'll be traumatized for the rest of her life, which is just horrific. This is Handle on the Law. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. In Greensboro, North Carolina, 
a University of North Carolina student uh, found uh, a man in her in her closet uh, going through her closet in her clothes. She said, "I've been having pieces of clothing missing, shirts and pants. The items were dispar- uh, disappearing." Handprints were left uh, behind on the bathroom wall. This gets really interesting. And she finally uncovered the mystery when uh, she and her roommate thought they uh, heard a ghost. She said, I was just hearing rattling in my closet. Sounded like a raccoon in my closet. And I'm screaming, who's there? And somebody answers me and he said, oh, my name is Drew. I opened the door. There he is wearing all of my clothes, my socks, my shoes. He has a book bag full of my clothes, and strangely enough, he was arrested. Uh, So she calls her boyfriend. As she waits for help, she talks to this guy to keep him distracted. He tries on my hat. He goes into the bathroom, looks in the mirror, and he says, well, you're really pretty. Can I give you a hug? And she said, well, no, not really. Uh, I'm... You know, I'd love to hug you, but I can't. I mean, she just calmed him down. She did a brilliant job. And uh, the guy was arrested, and the police are giving her big, big kudos. Also, there's an issue of how the guy got into her apartment. And uh, the uh, owners of the property, the management company, is still investigating, saying, "Um, I don't think so. I think I'm leaving. Uh, She and her roommate say they've had enough. She said, last night, I didn't feel safe. I slept with my roommate in her bed. I can't stay here. My closet, and it stinks. And every time I go into my room, there's a bad vibe. I'm just ready to leave. My guess is, even if she has a lease, they're probably not going to hold her to it. Just guessing. Let's take some phone calls. Rio. Hello, Rio. I have friends in Rio, by the way. Uh, Yes, Rio, what can I do for you? Well, I've been told that a death certificate, uh, a marriage certificate, is a public record. That is correct. So when I went, and I'm, I, I'll just say I live in San Diego County, so when I went to get a record for my mother's death certificate because I didn't have enough, they asked me how it's related to her. So I said, well, she's my mother. And the guy says, well, can I see your ID? Wait a minute. That's weird that uh, they're asking you. Uh, for a recorded public document. They're asking you for ID. I can pull your mother's death certificate, so I don't quite understand. So uh, did you show him the ID? Yeah. Okay, big yeah, deal. And now what? ID, and he says that, you know, last name was James, and he says, oh, okay. That's a French name that they use. Okay. They got that from the Bible. Did you get, did you get, did you get the uh, death certificate? Yes, I did get them. So what's your I question? my ID. Now, there's some other people, like my father-in-law and my mother-in-law, that I would like to have copies of their death certificate. Just don't go to that guy. Okay. Go to someone else. Okay. Yeah, because that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, that you need ID to get a death certificate. That one's kind of strange. Why? It's truly a public document. Hey, Oscar. Yeah, Bill. A friend, uh, a friend of mine asked me if I could uh, store his car in my backyard because he had an accident. He was trying to square it away with the insurance company. And uh, I said, uh, yeah, because he told me he would pay me $100 a month. And me being on Social Security, I said, sure, why not? 
So he did, but after three months or so, <clears throat> he stopped paying. It's been now uh, almost uh, five months, I think. All right. Since, uh, Could, the car. All right. Do you know how to reach him? Uh, uh, yeah, through his friend. Okay. All right. So here are the issues that you have. Uh, it's you. You pretty well have to reach uh, your uh, buddy there. Uh, who is parking the car in your backyard. Now, you don't have to keep it forever, but you do have to inform him that you he's not paid you for five months. You had a verbal agreement. He paid you for three of those months. Well, and, it actually, it was a written agreement. He it, signed it. Oh, that's even better. Okay, so with that in mind, you have to let him know that he start, has to start uh, paying you or you will get rid of the car. Uh, and uh, But you have to reach him. Now... If you, uh, or you have to make all reasonable attempts to reach him. You have to really try and keep on trying every which way you know. Because at some point, uh, he simply has abandoned the car if he cannot be reached. And even though it's not, even though it's not really his car, because uh, it's, uh, it's the uh, financing company car. It doesn't. Well, call the financing company. Oh. And tell him to pick up the car. If he's not paying you, is he paying them? Uh, I tried to do that to uh, to his friend, and the, the the financing company said they have no place to store the car anywhere. Well, uh, wait a sec. The financing company has they have no way to store it. I, I don't get that because you can get rid of the car after a period of time, and the financing company goes after him, not you. You don't have any duty to the finance company, Oscar. Well, the thing is, the insurance, uh, the financing company doesn't really care about the car because the car is all out. Okay, then what you can do is. Uh, Tell him to pay you, and if he doesn't pay you, and you make attempts through his friend, through whatever address you have, uh, through, uh, I assume he's paid you uh, by check, correct? Uh, no, cash. Okay, then you have to reach him and just say, I'm getting rid of the car. And uh, he's going to say that he has paid you cash. You're going to say he's not. Uh, but you get to look up at the rules, because I don't well, have every the rules. Every time he paid me cash, I would give him a receipt. So. Uh Every time you gave him a receipt, do you keep copies of it? Yeah. Oh, good. All right. Uh, then I think you're going to be okay. Uh, then okay. you give you give him time. You say you have one month to pay me or I'm getting rid of the car. A month passes. You keep on trying to reach him. And if you can't reach him, then you can simply get rid of the car. Have someone pick it up and tow it away and uh, you know, for I, scrap. I don't want to make this too long, but uh, my question is, uh, okay, if I do everything that you just told me, uh, he doesn't pay, can I just pull the car over into the street? Uh, I wouldn't. Maybe you could. You could pull the. It's not your car. Yeah, I mean that's not a bad idea. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I didn't even think about that. Pull the car out in the street, saying not my car. It's his car, and uh, yeah, I would. I have no idea what they do to you, but sure. Uh, Michael, hello, Michael. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm on the phone. I have a I have an important call that I need to answer. Uh, I'd like to get a, a old news, please. I'm sorry. You'd like that to get what? And make it to go, please. Oh, make it to go. You're uh, excellent. You're right. It's far more important to sit at the uh, fast food. Where, where are you at, by the way, Michael? Everywhere I go, the price is different. All right, Michael, where what where are you where oh, are you yeah. now you getting know, your food? Company. I'm not complaining. You know, I just ask you. This is excellent. I wonder where he's at. Uh, uh-huh. I wonder. I wonder where he's at. I'm gonna drive all the way to here from LA to buy my own meal. Well, there you go. <laughs> this is the cheapest. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, Michael, you there? 
Yes, I am here. Yeah, where are you? Where, by the way, Michael, where are you? Give me one minute. Let me get off the speakerphone. Oh, that's okay. Where Where are I you, Michael? I have it at the moment. Okay, well, but what? Well, yeah, but what restaurant or what fast food establishment are you at? Uh, at, a, at a McDonald's. You're at McDonald's, and what did you order? <laughs> Oatmeal. Oatmeal? You ordered yeah. oatmeal at McDonald's? Yeah, that's the only thing I can eat from here. Wow. Yeah, you're a health nut. Why is that? Why not uh, a Big Mac or an order of fries? Nah. nah oh, wow. Nah. So you... That's when I was 20 years, 15 years old. Oh, you know, okay. Good I for him. Good for him. Because I eat enough of uh, those Big Macs for the both of us. Welcome back. KFI AM640, more simulating talk. Bill Handel here on a Saturday. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Before we get started with a uh, legal show, Dean Sharp is here, and Dean has uh, stolen two hours of my show. What do you... What? I didn't steal them. Yeah, well, you sort of did. You uh, gave them to me. Uh, well, actually, more our program director, Robin, took them from me and gave them to you. What's happening is uh, starting on April 27th, 6 to 8 o'clock in the morning, it's going to be Dean, the House Whisperer. And That's it'll right. It'll be chapter number two. You're already on Sundays. The it'll next be day. chapter two that comes before right. chapter one. Right. So it now becomes chapter one that starts chapter two. Anyway. Um, so we're not moving the Sunday show. We're still on Sundays, right. 9 to 11. We're adding... Saturday mornings, yeah. six, six to eight. eight o'clock. So five hours of me is sort of over. You now get back to three hours of me. That's <laughs> yeah. a lot of time. So a, a little bit about your show for people that uh, don't know much about it. Everything about home design, home renovation, DIY stuff. Everything from tune in to find out how to fix that leaky toilet to how do we conceptualize a complete redesign story for your home and everything in between. Yeah, and by the way, I'm not blowing smoke here because you know how brutally honest I am with people. If it's a crap show, I'd look at you and go, it's a crap show. Uh, it's not. It really is a good show. Very listenable. And There, uh, you've heard it right there. Bill Handel. Yeah, no. De- no you gotta- home with Dean Sharp. It's not a crap show. Uh, that's it. That's right. That's There it is. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we're looking forward to yeah. Saturday mornings because people wake up and they've got, you know, a lot of energy. Right. They want to get going. And uh, so it's going to have a little bit different vibe, but uh, not a duplicate of Sunday show either. Twice the content every weekend now. All right. So before, so let's just get started with uh, my show. All right, Susan, welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Susan. Hi. Okay. This is really weird. Yeah, you're not on a, you're certainly not on a speakerphone, are you? No. Okay, just a little echoey. All right, what can I do for you? Yeah, um, we uh, purchased a whole bunch of appliances for a kitchen remodel at Lowe's about two years ago. And I was calling to get service on uh, one of my appliances, which we purchased uh, the extended maintenance warranties on all of them. And I was told, sorry, but uh, about three months after we purchased, they refunded our money back to our credit card, unknown to us. Well, um, you would have seen it on your credit card statement. Didn't we you? would have seen it on the credit card statement if my husband had noticed it. Or okay, so it. it was on the credit card statement. They simply refunded the money, uh, and I'm ass- based on that, I'm assuming they canceled it. Was the refund from the maintenance, uh, uh, the insurance company? No, I think Lowe's themselves did it. Then uh, did you call? Yes, here's here's the problem: is um, 
you know, I, I, I would have seen it and called them. That's not to say you don't have a, a, a position to stand on uh, because you've got something called detrimental reliance where you relied on the representation and uh, yeah, they're going to say, but wait a minute, you on your statement, there it is. You have a refund of X dollars and you never called anybody to find out. You right. just You just took the money. Well, the thing is, you know, we do everything by... You know, banking, uh, online banking now. Doesn't matter. So you I still, don't think my you, husband really. But you know, you can't argue. That's not. That is not a defense. We didn't notice it. Yeah. Try doing that with a stop sign violation. Yeah. yeah. They're running a stoplight. I didn't notice that the light was red. So what if I would have noticed it at the time? Then what you call them up. You I mean, call them not- up and you find out why this happened. And one of a couple things: will there's another company that is willing to do it, or we no longer offer the maintenance uh, agreement, the maintenance insurance. Then you go back at that point and you say, "Wait a minute, I bought the appliances based on that." And then you go, "Okay, I want my appliances back, or I want a discount because you, in fact, uh, breached. I purchase it." And what you did is you breached the contract by not allowing me to have it. Refunding the money is one thing. I mean, they would have been in a lot of trouble if they kept the money and said no. So, you know, the worst that happens is um, you call Lowe's, you demand that the the repair be done. uh, And I don't know what they're going to say. You can find out what it costs. You're going to have to put out the money anyway. And then uh, sue them in small claims court. Although, you know, if I'm the judge, I'm going to tell you to go pound sand. I'm going to say, Susan, read your damn, uh, you know, your statement. You know, don't be yeah, an idiot. Well, would it, see, what they're telling me is, well, we we refunded it because we don't have anybody that's within 30 miles okay. of the area. Anymore. All right. So I'm like, well, that's not my fault. No, but it's legitimate saying we no longer have that or people dropped out and we and here's your money back. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, shouldn't they at least have notified us? Uh, they did. They it? refunded your money. Now, I agree with you. Part of your lawsuit, if you're suing them for the repair, whatever's going to cost you to repair, you turn around and sue them, and part of your lawsuit is, yes, you should have notified us that the uh, the insurance was canceled for whatever reason. That's a perfectly fine reason. There's nobody there left that can do the work, for example, or no one within 30 miles, uh, and given us the opportunity to buy another one or let us know that the, the, that the program itself, the policy itself is no good. So there's both sides of it. I mean, yeah, that's I, what my husband was saying. Yeah, so assume it's so get it repaired. Exactly, that's what you will say. So get the thing repaired because you're not going to wait for a repair person. You're not going to wait for Lowe's to kick up the money and then sue in small claims court and see what happens. Okay. All right, try that. Yeah, this is one of those where both sides have an argument. Well, I want to sue you. Well, here's our defense. Well, you should have done this. Well, we did that and said, well, you should have done that then. Well, we instead did this other thing, uh, but you should have known. That's what this is about. This is not one of those clear-cut cases. I still wouldn't have given it to her. Uh, That's only because I'm an ass. This is KFI AM640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handel here, and welcome back to... Handle on the law, marginal legal advice. Uh, hello, David. You're up. Welcome hey, to yes. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Okay, I bought a Siberian Husky that was just under eight weeks old, and in under a week, the dog developed glaucoma in one eye, which made her blind, and then spread to the other eye. So the dog ended up being completely blind. So 
the person I bought the dog from lives about maybe three, four hundred miles away from me. So it's not like I could just drive down the street and say, hey, I want right. to So my, my wife, and I, I work very far from home. I, I actually work in Northern California, and I live in Southern. So my wife said, I can't take care of this dog. We keep taking the dog back to the vet over and over, and it's running up the bills, so we can't take care of it. So my, And this happened in, in less than a week, and my wife ended up giving the dog to a shelter. Um, I want to know if my question is, can I get my money back from the people still? Cause they said, no, give us the dog, give us the dog back and we'll give you a full refund. But we already gave the dog to a shelter. So can I get my money? All right. Back well, for, did you, by the way, before this happened, did you call them and ask for your money back as the dog lost eyesight in one eye and then the other eye were a, yes. They and, were saying no at first. They were saying no. And okay. I and there was a law that it got it. Okay. A misdemeanor for someone. To okay. Sell, Fair enough. How much did you? How much did you pay for the dog? Four hundred dollars. Okay. How much were uh, the vet bills? Uh, about three hundred. About three hundred. So about seven hundred dollars. Uh, did you ever yeah. think of getting a seeing eye dog for your for your dog? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've read about that, but no, that's even twice the money there. Yeah, and seeing eye dogs, dogs. Yeah, they're pretty expensive. You're right. That may have not yeah. worked. Um, yeah, you you can sue him. You can sue the owner. Uh, I, I assume they didn't give you a warranty. Usually, uh, these breeders do give warranties or pet stores, uh, and they're saying if you six weeks, eight weeks. But assuming that there wasn't a warranty that was specifically written out for you or the policy of uh, the breeder, then you sue him for the seven hundred dollars. The problem is you have to go there and sue him. You have to show up in court. Yeah, and uh, that becomes a, a real issue. Uh, do you know what happened to the dog? Did they uh, destroy the dog? Or- no, it's, it was actually in a shelter, and if they can't find uh, anybody that wants the dog, they'll end up giving it to uh, one of those places that don't, a safe surrender place. Oh, that's sweet. Doesn't. Okay. And, yeah, and they may have a seeing-eye dog, for all I know, or a little well, see, my, my little cane that the dog uses, you know, it's just, and they have to put sunglasses on the dog. It's, it's, it's a visual. But, but look, I found out there's a law that exists. I was unaware that it exists. It says if you sell a dog under eight weeks, uh, it's a misdemeanor if you don't get that dog cleared by a vet, which she did not do. Okay, then you got it. Then you're done. You get your $700. I didn't know that the law existed, but if there's a law you can point to, there's your $700. But now, it, it has nothing to do with civil. It's it's a, actually a misdemeanor. Should I just scare her with that? And yeah, you could. Uh, you could. Yeah. And so uh, I would still sue her. Yeah. Uh, now... Uh, she has to be convicted of that before you can use it at civil trial. But I would point that out uh, to her, saying, "Hey, you know what? I'm gonna you know, give me my money back, or it's gonna be big, big issues with you uh, and that dog. It's fraud. It's uh, yeah, I would just start throwing big words around. Now, uh, small claims court. You live where, David? I live in Riverside County. All right, you can. And he and the uh, the breeder is where? She lives in Chapter Kern County. Oh, okay. You know what? You can sue in Riverside. Because that's where uh, the dog lives, and that's where you live. Uh-huh. And you can sue in uh, Riverside County and make her come to court. Because you're allowed to sue where you are. And the fact that I live that far apart probably make her... They don't care. No, the court doesn't care how far apart they are. Yeah. If, if you have a right to sue locally, then you sue locally and have her come down, or else, or you'll get a judgment for $700. But in a civil trial, I can't be, bring up that uh, misdemeanor. Oh, you can, yeah, you're, you're talking small claims court. You can bring up anything you want. Okay. 
judges don't care. I mean, the rules of evidence, I mean, that goes right out the window. Just say, hey, she's in violation. There's uh, there's criminal law. I mean, I want my money. And, uh, yeah, the judge may or may not pay attention. Uh, the judge may not even know the difference between criminal and civil law. I mean, you're talking to small claims judges. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So try it that way. Just go ahead and sue. First of all, contact the person and say you're in violation. Uh, point out the uh, the code. Matter of fact, send a copy of the code and uh, say, you know what? You're going to get hit big time for criminal violation as well as civil damages and see what happens. And the fact that I can't give the dog back to them, it, it would have no. Yeah. Just say you didn't offer. You didn't offer. Let me bring the dog back to you until I took it to a shelter. So after the fact, it doesn't help anybody. OK, that's your argument. OK. Sounds good. Okay. Blind dog. Very entertaining. I once had a dog that went blind. It was fantastic. Hit walls. Uh, it was uh, hit table legs. Lost balance a lot. It was very strong. Kelly, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Thanks. Um, can I sue Facebook for yeah. putting me in Facebook jail for the fourth time? Okay, first of all, you can sue anybody for anything. So how did Facebook put you in Facebook jail for the fourth time? I don't know. I don't I even don't... know what that means. You want to tell me what Facebook jail is? You don't know what Facebook jail Okay. I have no idea what Facebook jail is. You, you take somebody off for, I don't know, your freedom of speech, and normally somebody reports you. I say no cuss words, not like that one chick said about, you know, the... Trump and the F and whatever. I don't do that. Okay. I'll, I'll repost a lot of memes, and um, somebody, I guess, got mad and posted me four times. So they, they put you on Facebook jail for a month. Hmm. You can't post. You can't like. As a wow. I cannot even go on, um, um, uh, do a search for KFI and comment. Got it. So, KFI so uh, uh, you're controlled by Facebook. Yeah, Kelly, how, why is it so important for you to not even lose a month? I mean, four months. Did Next you say time. four months or, oh, it's happened to you four times? Four times. I've hmm. other people on my site that's been on there for seven months. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, so let me let me ask you this, Kelly. Let's figure out, okay, you're going to sue Facebook. Forget about the fact that they have half of every large law firm in the world on retainer to them, and uh, you're suing one of the biggest corporations on the planet, and here you are, Kelly, you're suing. Let's figure out what your damages are. Uh, what what does it actually cost you? Not money, because I understand there are non-monetary damages here, but how are you damaged by being in Facebook jail for four times? Is my freedom of speech? Am I? Is it sexist that yeah. I'm a woman? Do you think you have the right to go on Facebook? Do I? Do they have a right to have a monopoly? Yeah. Do they have exclusive dealing? No, you can. There are other places you can post. Where? Uh, I don't know. No. Uh, what, I don't even post on Facebook. How the hell do I know? There's no other place. Facebook is a very managed through improper conduct by restricting okay. my freedom of I, No, I understand that. No, you've been, yeah, I understand they restrict your freedom of speech. I get that. Facebook jail. Uh, but I'm just curious. There is no other place other than Facebook you can post the stuff that you put on Facebook. YouTube, for example. Can't you post stuff on YouTube? I guess you could post it on... Well, there you go. Then th there goes your monopoly right out the window, doesn't it? How about your damages? Okay, what are you going to? Let's say you're suing. Uh, you got two choices. You can sue to force them to put you on there, uh, which is one thing. Uh, the other thing is suing them for damages. Not only do I want you to put me back, I want you to pay me X. Uh, what do you think it's worth? Just curious. I 
have not the biggest savings. Okay, then you can't sue for that. Yeah, I get it. Okay, so uh, the answer is yes. You can't argue monopoly because that doesn't exist. Uh, You can argue discrimination uh, probably, Kelly. Uh, However, I think they have some defenses, starting with Kelly is the biggest pain in the ass uh, that they've ever seen. That's a good defense. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, so the the bottom line, Kelly, is right to some honcho at Facebook, uh, the vice president in charge of putting people in Facebook jail and see where you can go. It's not going to be a legal issue, I guarantee you. Uh, suing Facebook. Yeah. That'll work. Welcome back to KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. This is Handle on the Law. Uh, hello, Frank. Hello, Mr. Hannah. Yes, sir. What, good. What can I do for you? Okay, I purchased a mobile home for my for my brother in, for in a senior in a senior park, and since then he hasn't paid the rent, so they evicted him, and he went to court for it, but they uh, went ahead and took the mobile home from from him, and he's not the legal owner. I am. Can they do that? Oh God, I don't know. What they're saying is. Um... I don't know how you take a mobile home from a park. I mean, they physically picked it up and moved it. No, 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 no. They, they, he just what he had to do when he went to court because he's, uh, he was three months, four months in the arrears of his rent. They went ahead. The, the lawyer for the park said, "If you sign this over to us, you don't have to pay the rent." Oh no, he if, and, and title was not in his name, correct? Correct. Oh yeah, they can't do that. He didn't have the right to sign it over. There was nothing for him to sign over, Frank. Right. That's yeah. No, there's nothing. So I, uh, you let them know, and they were, did they went ahead and recorded it or registered? I think mobile homes are considered vehicles. Did they register yes. it? Yes. Yeah. I'm you legal owner on the registration. Okay. No. 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 I'm talking about if they took it over, he signed a document. Did they? Did he sign it over to them? He signed a court order over to them. What yes. is it? I don't understand what the court order. Uh, I, well, I, I don't it, know what it, that it, means. It, 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 well, in at court, when he went to court for the eviction, they asked him if he owned the, the mobile home. My brother is not really with Okay, and he, said he, and he said he did. He said he did. Okay, I contact, contact the mobile home park and said he never owned the park. He never owned it. It's in my name. Yes, I did that. I and what did they say? Him. Too bad? Well, well what, yes, basically that's what they said. Too bad. And they said they're going to put a lien on it. And that money has to be paid. And I said, why do I have to pay it? I'm well, the they, no, no, because it's the, it, it, no, a lien is separate. Uh, you can't put a lien on something you already own, so you're confusing me. They're saying they own it, and now they're saying if you don't pay the rent, they're going to lien it. Leaning it means someone else owns it, Frank. So I have okay. no idea what you're, well, well, they're, how they're this works. They're saying they're, they're going to go to a lien auction so they can pay the. Got it. Back. So that has nothing to do with that has to do with the payment of the rent, Frank. Okay. And that's it. And uh, I don't think, uh, you know, depend. can they lean? Uh, I don't even know. Uh, they probably can because it's a vehicle, effectively. And uh, right. the owner is not paying for storage is basically right. what you're talking about. Yeah, they have the right to say either you pay up or we're going to sell at auction. Yeah, they have the right to do that. How much How much is the rent, Frank? It, the rent was only five hundred. The mobile home is not worth that much. Oh, then, then it attorney. doesn't matter. Then you just let them take it. What, you know, what, what are you going to do? Well, I'll be out about ten thousand dollars. Because why? Because I paid for I paid for it cash. You paid you paid him cash. No, no, no. I paid for the mobile home, and then my, I had my brother move into it because at the time he was homeless, and I said, Look, "Got it. All right, all right. Yeah, you're uh, you're probably going to lose ten grand, you know. But uh, do you, do you still love your brother? 
Oh, of course. You okay, so, you, you know, it's it's just a constant doing business, man. You, you have a brother that's yeah. homeless, and if you love him, what are you going to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'd throw the guy out of my, on his ass. Frankly, I don't think there's a, a family member on this planet that's worth $10,000, and that includes my kids. Uh, Joanne. Hi, Joanne. Welcome. Hello? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, it's your turn, Joanne. Let me tell you how this works. I go, hi, Joanne. You go, hello, Bill. I say, what would you like? What can I do for you? And then you ask me a question, Joanne. Okay, but I'm not Joanne. But oh, okay. I'm sorry. That was my fault. Ah, that's my problem. What's your name? Karen. Karen, my fault. I apologize. There you go. No biggie. All right. All right, Karen. Let's start again. Okay. Hi, Karen. Welcome hi, to Bill. Handle on the Law. Yes, ma'am. Yes, my daughter was involved in an accident. It was a person who had a Mexico ID. The insurance was held by a different person, and the register owner was a different person. The insurance was finally contacted. The insurance of the person with the Mexico ID said, sorry, no witnesses, 50-50. So I read on an article that we can go after the registered owner. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You can go after the registered owner for up to $15,000. Up to 15. Yeah, I think so. No, no, you know, you can go for as long as as much as the car is insured for. Okay. Got it. Yeah, 15,000 was the rental car. But yeah, uh, a rental, I think, is up to 15,000. Yes, uh, you absolutely can sue the registered owner. No question about it. That's perfect. Well, that's all I needed. Okay, got it. I love you. And of course you do. Now, um, uh, it's when someone with a Mexican ID says uh, it's going to be a he said, he said, that's not true. He's never going to show up. I guarantee you the guy will never show up. Joanne. Hi. Yes, ma'am. Which office office of affairs in a county do I call regarding my divorce attorney and his staff? You don't call a county office at all. Uh, What you do is you contact the state bar. What uh, What did the staff and the attorney do to you? Way over charges on my billing statement. So you don't. That I, so you, that I discovered. So you don't. Oh, you paid too much. So uh, do you have to sue him? I that, have to sue. Yeah, him. you're gonna have to sue. How much overcharging are you talking about, Joanne? Uh, so far, I'm up to about eight thousand dollars. Yeah, it's just almost like duplicate copies yeah, so, made. So what you do is you stop uh, paying. Uh-huh. Stop paying. And, I've already paid him. Okay, He's then done. you just you sue for you sue for eight thousand dollars. That's what you do. Forget about the okay. state bar. Forget about any county issue other than other than going to small claims court. You sue. You show the bills where it's a duplicate billing. And uh, he's gonna. The attorney's gonna say, "Well, we did A, B, C. We did all the work. If it's just a question of a single bill, Joanne, being uh-huh. contested, you would lose because the attorney uh-huh. will uh, will testify. I did all the work. Look at what I did. I did research. Whatever crap uh, the attorneys come up with. But if it's duplicate billing, Joanne, uh-huh. you've got him on that. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All Thank right. You. Wow." story of an an attorney overcharging someone. You know, in all the years that I've been doing this show, decades, I have never, ever had a phone call about an attorney overcharging. Right? All right. This is Handle on the Law. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case whatsoever. 
This is a Darwin Award. Uh, well, you can't even say finalist or you can't even say honorable mention. Because when you have Darwin Awards, these are people that usually hurt themselves. And this is not the case. My favorite Di- Di- uh, Darwin Award uh, was in Egypt, where uh, there was a chicken who fell into a well and... Uh, the owner of the chicken dived in to the well to save the chicken. Uh, he drowned. As he was drowning, screaming for help, his family jumps in the well to help him. They all die, and the chicken survives. That is a Darwin Award winner. Honorable mentions are when you don't die. Now, this is sort of a quasi-Darwin Award. It has an issue with the gene pool, and do you really want this woman ever having progeny? This is Ohio. She shows up in court to answer drug charges, and she's carrying a backpack. And so she goes in front of the judge, and so, of course, they search her backpack, because that's what they do in courts now. And there it is. The backpack had meth, ecstasy, marijuana, pills, uh, other drugs, and the paraphernalia, the pipes used to smoke all that good stuff. Well, needless to say, uh, she was arrested on charges of possession of dangerous uh, drugs with intent to sell, distribute, or deliver, and a whole bunch of other felonies. And then the issue became, uh, was uh, the original underlying drug charge even heard in court? And I don't think so. I don't think so. So what's the takeaway here? You know, if you're being charged for drug possession... Don't show up with a backpack full of drugs. Same thing with drunk driving. When you hear stories of people showing up drunk to answer the drunk driving charges, that's another Darwin Award issue. All right, let's go ahead and take some phone calls. Hello, London. Hi, London. Yes, while driving on on the highway, my car sustained some damage. Uh, Can I sue the city for that? Well, I don't know what that means. You're driving along the highway, and your car sustains uh, some damage. Damage from um, from debris. Okay, let me clear it up. From debris, like it was like a storage box or something that maybe fell off uh, a, a moving van yeah. or a truck. Yeah. Why? I, let me ask you. Why would the city be at fault, London? What did they do? Know, what did I the city? Think- what did the city do wrong? The city didn't do anything, sir. Someone just told me. That's why I'm calling for advice to see. I mean, that's what someone told me, uh, that the city, that we, we pay our taxes. And that's why I figured that now, there now, was no now, one I could fault. Yeah, London, if there's no one you can fault, there's no money to get. The way the law works, okay. it's, there's no free money out there, London. It, it doesn't exist. Okay. Yeah, nice call. Can I get some money no matter what happens? Uh, welcome to the world of entitlement. Even asking that question absolutely floors me. I got some damage. Can I get the city to to pay? Why? Because I pay them taxes. Okay. Sure. Why the hell not? Hello, Sarah. Hi. um, My sister is... I have a 16-year-old adopted sister who's out of control. Her parents separated, and my mom has... Um, she's living with my mother. She's been in and out of the psych ward. My mom's done everything, paid for therapy, sent her to a good private school. 
and he continues to smoke drugs in the house, sneak boys in, put holes in the wall, physically attack my mother. And my um, mother just can't handle it on her own anymore and wants her to go with her dad. Is there any rights my mother has to enforce legally that she stay with her father? No. No. Does she have any course of action whatsoever? Yeah, yeah. she can uh, abandon the kid. She can put the child into... Uh, and effectively tell the state, I can't do it. You can't make the father take custody. Okay. That, that you can't do. So she now has to deal with a 16-year-old that is incorrigible, and you called, uh, what you do is you call the uh, county guardian, I believe, that will take the child under, uh, it'll be a ward of the state, effectively, and they'll deal with it. Okay. Yeah, because let's look at the other way. What if it were the father taking uh, her to court and saying, you must take our daughter. It doesn't matter how dangerous she is. It doesn't matter if, uh, no matter how many walls she punches through, and you're constantly in fear of your life. But I want the court to say, you have to take her. See, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, it's just the physical aspect of him being stronger and able. No, they don't care. No, they don't care. They don't care. Okay. It's, uh, you talk to the state about that. Steve. Hi, Steve. Hey, how you doing? Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Okay, very quickly. I'm a teacher at a private school, and my principal has told us, uh, this is an elementary school, principal has told us one of the parents of a student in my class is a registered sex offender. Now that I have that knowledge, if... One of my other students has a play date with this kid, and, and he were to get molested. Would I be liable? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. Uh, what, okay. Yeah, I, I think what you have to do is uh, simply inform. What I would do is inform the parents of the kid who's going over the play date just in case uh, the parent comes well, back. I, you knew. Yeah. But, if, but if the parents of the child knows, then uh, there's no issue. Then it's the parents. No, 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 but that's the thing. None of the other parents know about this parent. But if he's a registered child offender, uh, that's pu- that's public knowledge. But do I have to share that knowledge? I mean, if one of my other students... I would share it, I would share it with the parents of the child that you know is having a play date. But then again, you know what? It's a play date. You're not responsible at all, I don't think. That's not your call. Well, but any any of the kids could have a you know a play date. I understand, but it's that, not but it's yeah. not your call. I don't think. Now, what <laughs> I would do is I would tell the parent if you know about a play date, how are you going to know that sure, they, yeah. they, they do a play date? If you don't know, there's no issue. I wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think you're fine. And I and I, I there's an also argument is it's none of your business in the sense of it, it's your business if you care, but it's none of your business legally, where you have uh, I don't think you have any obligation. Now, how, Bill, real quick, how is he allowed to even be on the campus with other kids when he's not supposed to be? His, because his, there may be an exception. With... Then it's up to the principal, okay. and you say uh, that you look at the law, and if he's a registered sex offender, then he can't yep. get near a school, whatever. But is there an exception to his child going to school? And my well, guess is... an exception for his child, yeah. All right. Well, him? well, no, no, no. How does he get the kid to school? That's not the school's problem. But there may be an exception to the law that says he cannot get near a school except. 
to take a to take a child to school. Okay. Okay. So, and I don't know, but it certainly makes sense to me. This is handle on the law. This is KFI AM six forty. We're simulating Tom Bill Handle Saturday morning, and welcome back to Handle on the Law. KFI AM 640. And before we get started with uh, legal show, Dean Sharp is here. And Dean has uh, stolen two hours of my show. What? What? I didn't steal them. Yeah, well, you sort of did. You uh, gave them to me. Uh, well, actually, more our program director, Robin, took them from me and gave them to you. What's happening is uh, starting on April 27th, 6 to 8 o'clock in the morning, it's going to be Dean, the House Whisperer. And That's right. Be Chapter number two. You're already on Sundays. The It'll be day. chapter two that comes before chapter right. one. Right. So it now becomes chapter one that starts chapter two. Anyway. Um, so we're not moving the Sunday show. We're still on Sundays right. 9 to 11. We're adding Saturday mornings yeah. 6, six to 8, eight o'clock. So five hours of me is sort of over. You now get back to three hours of me. That's yeah. a lot of time. So a, a little bit about your show for people that uh, don't know much about it. Everything about home design, home renovation, DIY stuff. Everything from... Tune in to find out how to fix that leaky toilet to how do we conceptualize a complete redesign story for your home and everything in between. Yeah, and by the way, I'm not blowing smoke here because you know how brutally honest I am with people. If it's a crap show, I'd look at you and go, it's a crap show. Uh, It's not. It really is a good show. Very listenable. There, uh, you've heard it right there. Bill Handel. Yeah, no, no, you got Home with Dean Sharp. It's not a crap show. Uh, That's it. That's right. (laughs) There it is. All right. Uh, so we're looking forward to yeah. Saturday mornings because people wake up and they've got, you know, a lot of energy. Right. They want to get going. And uh, so it's going to have a little bit different vibe, but uh, not a duplicate of Sunday show either. Twice the content every weekend now. All right. So before, so let's just get started with uh, my show. Hey, Dave. Yes. Okay, go ahead. Bill, uh, my wife's uh, father died approximately 40 years ago. And now we find out there may be some sort of a will leaving half the house to her and her sister. Well, what's and, happened to the house since? Well, the house went from the father and the mother's name into the mother's name. And now we think the sister has gotten wind of this will, and she's trying to take over part of the house. Well, now, is, is the will around? This is what we're trying to find out. We think it is. Okay, uh, here's what's going to happen. If you don't have a copy of the will, and she does... The only way she is going to get any property at all, it doesn't matter that your dad died 40 years ago, uh, when did the mom die? The mom has not died yet, but she appears to be very, very ill at all this All right, time. so she owns the property now as, yes. I'm assuming, uh, as a sole owner, correct? Correct. All right, and, it's, and the deed is in her name, is that correct. right? Correct. Okay, correct. so uh, when, now the only will that's important is hers. Dad is out of the question. I mean, he's long dead. Okay, so the only will is important is hers. Right. And if the sister turns up with this will, it means nothing. Well, it means a lot, actually. She has to probate it, though. Oh, she would have to probate it. She has to, and there you get a cotton, then you get a copy of the will. I see. So So, she has to probate this will after 40 years. It doesn't matter when a will was written. A will written could have been written 80 years ago. Okay. All right. And right. it could be the same will uh, that it goes to one party, and upon that party's death, it goes to whoever it is. Okay. So the mother's will could be non invalid if the sister shows up with this will. Well, it depends. Yes. It? I mean, it could be. It could be. It depends on what she brings in. Now, it still could be the original will. 
which mm-hmm. says that if they both wrote the will, and part of it is that uh, that uh, that the mother owned uh, the property, yes, uh, and uh, any property that's owned by one of uh, the uh, writers of the will, testator or the uh, testators, I have that right, and he, uh, in this case, it's a she. If there's a will out there, then uh, she is then willing the property to whoever. And unless they, unless your the sister is willing to forge a will, yes, then it's whatever is going to control. That's all, okay. and you won't and you won't know. It, does the does the attorney that wrote the will originally have to have a copy of it still? After I think all so. Time? I would think so. Okay. I don't so know I, if they have to by law, but I would. I, I can't imagine any attorney would not. Now, let's say there is no will. Who okay. are the existing children of uh, mom? There's five children. They split it all up equally. Exactly. So if this will does exist and she does attempt to probate it, we will then have... You'll have a copy of it. You will have a copy. All you have to do is... I mean, she's not going to tell you. She won't. I know. They have kept this secret amongst four brothers and sisters for the last 40 years away from my wife. Great. So all the wife has to... I'd write a letter on... uh, The wife writes a letter to everybody and says that if you probate a will and you keep me out of it, if I'm a beneficiary... Uh, there's going to be a lawsuit that's going to knock all of you on your asses. Great. That's good to hear, hear Bill. All right. Take okay, care. Thanks. Thank you, sir. Bye. Hi, Maria. Welcome, ma'am. What can I do for you? Hi, Bill. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I'm a landlord, and I have been for the last 25 years. Um, Ten years ago, I had my um, contracts revised, and uh, that was done and drafted by a real estate attorney. Um, about two weeks ago, I sent out a notice uh, in the contract. It states that after the year's lease is up, it automatically goes month to month, and then there's a 30-day notice of either party to terminate. Yes. So I exercised that right uh, about a few weeks ago. And uh, over the weekend, I called up my party, and I wanted to arrange for a walkthrough. And he told me, he said, well, we're not moving. And I said, excuse why are you not moving? He said, well, you didn't give us a 60-day notice. Yes. What's your question? Okay, my question is, if my contract that we both signed yes. states 30 days either party, right. I understand, well, I don't. Uh, he told me that he heard that he was entitled to a 60-day yeah, notice. And he is, because he's and the he is, cause they've changed the law. Really? Oh yeah, and he is. I mean, just because right. you sign a contract, what if I sign a contract with you, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, for example, we don't have usury laws anymore. But when we had usury laws, that you agree to pay twenty eight percent, and the law says twenty five percent, and uh, and you say, but wait, you agreed to twenty eight, yeah, but it's illegal. Can't do that. You're not allowed to do that. So uh, yes, you have to give him sixty days notice. Well, nice talking to you. Yes. <laughs> This is KFI AM 640 or Stimulating Talk. Bill Handel here. Welcome to Handel on the Law. Welcome back for marginal legal advice. Yeah, hello, Jim. You're up. Yes. Yes, sir. Well, I'm, I'm currently a California resident. I'm ready to move next month to Japan. And my question is, do I have to continue to pay California state income tax? After I moved to Japan. Yeah, because you're still a resident of California. Certainly U.S. income tax, yes, unless you're gone for over X period of time. 
and uh, they there there's a time issue, but it's 18 months, two years, whatever it is. But as long as you're a resident of California, they don't care where you work. Anywhere in the world you work, you're a resident of Cal. <coughs> Excuse me, you're a resident of California. You get to pay California taxes. California, the franchise board, is that is the toughest, by far the toughest tax agency anywhere in the United States. Wow. Yeah, you're screwed. You, you get to pay both. Congratulations, just like the rest of us do. Hey, James. Hello. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? My question concerns trying to get a presidential pardon in order to have a uh, federal felony conviction erased from my record. Is that a difficult process? uh, Is it impossible to do it? Yeah, sure sure it's possible, but... uh, what did you do, James? Let's start talking. Let's go backwards. What did you end up, what were you convicted of? Over 20 years ago, uh, telemarketing fraud. All right. Well, uh, <clears throat> so that helps you. It wasn't a violent crime. People weren't particularly hurt, I'm, other than uh, the people who ever... It was, it, was, it was not a violent crime. It was a white-collar crime, telemarketing fraud. Uh, the company was uh, shut down by the federal authorities. Yeah. I walked. I cooperated with the government. All right. And you put all of that, and here is how it works with presidential pardons. And it's not easy to get. They're very, very difficult to get. But they can be gotten, and the president does issue a number of them before usually he or she leaves office. There is is a presidential pardon office. There is a division within— the government, and there is a staff of people that actually looks at pardon requests and then writes up a report that then goes to the president. So what I would do is go on the Internet, grab a browser, and simply say presidential pardon application. And there is a very specific application. You make all that argument you can Uh, You argue the 20 years, you get all these letters of recommendation, you talk about your cooperation, you get anybody you can that was involved in the original trial, the prosecutor that will say, yes, he cooperated, and yes, he's been great for the last 20 years, and you get started. Now, in the end, do you have a chance? Yeah, about one in a thousand. Okay. Yep, that's how you do it. Very, very, very tough. Hi, Steve. Hey, Bill. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Oh, I just had a question. Not really sure if there's any damages or anything, but my question was, I have a Kaiser insurance plan. I got diagnosed some time ago uh, with hepatitis C from a blood transfusion I got. And I went to my doctor. They've got an interferon treatment that they've been putting me off and putting me off. And I went into my doctor and said, look, I want to get this thing cleared up. I want to get rid of it on the... Doctors told me they've got a 95 to 100% success rate with this new treatment they have. So when I saw my doctor, the doctor said, no, you base, you have to have either cirrhosis or be it um, a stage three to stage three to three and a half to get uh, treatment that Kaiser is not um, going to be uh, paying for, for my treatment, which I don't get why I have to get worse before I can get better. Because uh, Kaiser, like a lot of other HMOs, uh, doesn't want to spend the money. And according to their 
uh, medical protocol, uh, this works. And uh, they're and they're going to argue that it's premature to give you this medication and it's really expensive. So there's two things that I would do. Uh, number one, I'd get another doctor at Kaiser. You can always ask for another doctor. Correct. I've been a member of Kaiser forever. And if you don't like your doctor, you go, I want another doctor instantly. I would even call the department and say, are there any doctors there who do give interferon? Now, it could be that the doctor himself is making that decision on a medical call, which he's allowed to do, or Kaiser, as a policy, doesn't give you interferon until you uh, hit a certain level of sickness. Then that's that's correct. That's what that's what my doctor told me that they've got from their chain of command from the top told them, even if they were to prescribe it to me that the pharmacist wouldn't give it to me right. without having this letter. All right. But so, uh, just... again, you find out if you can get a letter from any of the other doctors. You appeal that uh, decision. You go through an appeal board at Kaiser. And in the end, if, uh, if, if medical protocol at other facilities say that had you gotten interferon uh, and you wouldn't have got to this point, then you've got a hell of a case against Kaiser. So... And what... One of the one thing I just had to mention is because my brother he wasn't such a good guy, but uh, he was in prison and he sitting there said that a lot of the guys in prison that have hepatitis C they're all getting the treatment. That may be, uh, but that has nothing and, to do with Kaiser. That's those no, are, no, it doesn't. It's just it's just enough to. I know it riles really, you. Uh, I know it's get crazy. It gets you, it gets you really upset. But there, what you have to do is get interferon for you by first going through the appeals. And finding out why and under what circumstances, this is all research, why are they not giving interferon and waiting till you have a three, three and a half stage of cirrhosis before they give it to you? Uh, Because already that's pretty advanced. And why would they wait? And so you have to find out what the medical protocol is. And that's just research. So you look up hepatitis uh, C, you look up uh, medical protocol. Uh, I'd start with maybe WebMD and then just go and do a crap load of of investigation and uh just uh as you get try to get as much information as you can all the research you can louis hi louis you're up welcome to handle on the law hello um so i have an issue with a car that i bought off of a used car dealership so it's a used car um what happened was that after a couple of days um the engine light came on and i saw i saw some smoking come out of the the exhaust pipes um so i took it back to the dealership um which they had given me a warranty a 30-day warranty um they said they couldn't find any issues with the car so i took it back to another reputable um uh, mechanic and they decided that they found a couple of things after they ran the diagnostic um i took it back to the dealership where i bought the car i gave them the report and they said that they would go ahead and fix it um supposedly they fixed it um came back another week later um, and noticed that the engine light is still turning on and I'm still having the same issue. Um, at what point can I go ahead and go to another mechanic? Right um, now. In the war- right, now. right now. Yeah, right now. Send them a letter saying okay. you've, you've attempted to fix it twice. You have not fixed it. I am now taking this to another mechanic and you will be responsible for the bill. They've had two shots at it. You don't have to give them a third. Okay. There's also an arbitration clause saying then that you have to go to, then you have to go to arbitration. Yeah, you'll sue in small claims court, and they can say you have to go to arbitration. Maybe yes. Okay. Maybe at no. that point, but, 
But I don't know if they want to spend the money for arbitration. That gets really expensive for both of you. Oh, okay. So try that. Arbitration clauses in buying used cars. I don't know. I haven't seen many of those. Uh, but that's someone's anticipating getting sued. You know it's fine. I go. Welcome back to uh, KFI AM six forty. More stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. This is Handel on the Law. Marginal legal advice. All right, before uh, we dive into the legal show, uh, some changes here at KFI. Uh, I have been on from 6 to 11 o'clock uh, doing the legal show for I don't know how many years. And uh, frankly, I'm kind of sick of talking to you from 6 to 11 o'clock. So changes are afoot. And uh, starting April 27th, the 6 to 8 o'clock hour will not be handled on the law. It will be home with Dean Sharp, who's already heard 9 to 11 on Sundays, but he's coming aboard 6 to 8 o'clock uh, to talk about your house. And Dean, uh, happy, but, always happy for your leftovers. Uh, Yeah, you know what? that is? Whatever so, it, you leave behind. That's fair. That is crumbs, isn't it? It is. Yeah, no, that's true. Anyway, the show will be all about crumbs. Uh, it'll be about uh, building, right, where uh, you can take the scrap it will be about okay, just, uh, installing just, toilets where you can take the the extra gasket. Here we go. That little piece. This pieces. is why. This is it why. It will be uh, about you, you buy a box, you know, a Delta faucet. The uh, the faucet goes in. You get to take the box itself. I think it's pretty clear why you are not hosting the home show. <laughs> uh, so a little bit about the home show. Uh, oh, it's everything people, you just said uh, and more. And more. <laughs> uh, so people who don't know, don't listen to uh, 9 to 11. It's kind of a neat show. Do you want to spend 30 seconds describing it? Uh, well, we're doing pretty much, as far as I know, the West Coast's only home design and renovation uh, radio show. And so a lot of people have missed out on that mentoring of what to do with their homes. Uh, a lot of people have never heard a designer talk to them about their home's potential. So we do everything from the high art stuff and, and here's how we can rewrite the story of your house all the way down to how are we going to fix that uh, hissing, leaky toilet all and right. everything in between. All right, so that uh, starts April 27, 6 to 8 o'clock, and then I, that's 6 to 8 o'clock a.m., and then I follow with Handle on the Law from 8 to 11. It's going to be bizarre. Uh, it's going to be fun. For to people to. to tune in and hey. hear a friendly, sane voice at, at 8 o'clock. Yeah, they're not going to know what to do with themselves. Okay, let's go on with the show. Hi, Julie. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Wow. Okay, great. Uh, you mentioned one time you didn't know anything about Canadian law. That's correct. Would you know? Well, would you know anything about Texas law? Uh, sure. I know. Oh, well, sure. let me put it this way: I know a lot more about Texas law than I do about Canadian law. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were closer to Canada. But That's anyway. right. It's no, it's no. I'm not. I live in Los Angeles, so probably Texas. Oh. Well, I don't know. It depends. Fifteen hundred miles away is probably close. But what yeah. is your question, no. my dear? Okay, sir. Um, I wondered if you would know if the statute of limitations is pretty much the same in every state. Yeah, I would guess. I would. I would guess it's pretty close. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, uh, if I wanted to file a wrongful death or a negligent homicide case against Neg wait, wait. negligent homicide against whom? A nursing home. A nursing home for negligent homicide. What well, happened? I Next thing I could think of, besides, besides just um, wrongful you know, death, 
just a straight yeah. wrongful death. Did you? Do you think that someone intended to kill your loved one? No, it was negligence. Okay, then that's it. It's negligence. It's, me it's medical malpractice. So uh, when did this happen, ostensibly? And here comes the big All right, how many years ago? How many years ago? Three years ago? I suggest you contact a lawyer in, uh, in Texas, because I think uh, that Texas would probably be tougher for a plaintiff than would be California. And in California, yeah, yeah you're, uh, I, I, you better call a lawyer in Texas. Uh, do I know how long the statute is? Uh, no. No, I don't know the statute in every, uh, in every state under what circumstances. But, uh, yeah, uh, you don't wait three years in Texas for sure. Elizabeth. Hello, Elizabeth. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Right. I have a promissory note for $80,000. It's been owed to me for 15 years, but they have paid interest. And the last interest, pay they paid 8% interest. And the last interest payment was paid uh, last year for $7,000. All right. seven thousand. So last year. So you're good. You're, yeah, you're good on the statute. So what is your question? I don't know whether to go to a regular attorney or a collection attorney. Probably collection. It doesn't matter. It's well, a, I mean, a breach of, it doesn't matter. The issue, you're going to get your judgment, assuming that it's, I'm assuming they're in breach of the note itself. Correct, Elizabeth? Well, right. They haven't paid now for, all um, right. Uh, right. All right. So that's not a problem. So to prove that is easy. It's clear cut. The different, the difficulty is going to be collecting the money, Elizabeth. Well, they have the money and right now they have their house for sale for $2 million right. in Orange County. Then you want to go in. And uh, you want probably a collection attorney and collection. and deal with it. And uh, the collection attorney may, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, throw a protective order against the house. Uh, there are a number of things that you can do, but you want to get into you want to get into court as quickly as possible. In and should it be filed in Orange County? I yeah. need an attorney down there. Then. Yeah, probably. Right. Yeah, probably. You have one you can give me. Yeah, just go to, go to the website. Go to handleonthelaw.com. we got tons of them in Orange County. Well, I did go, but I didn't know what category to choose. It doesn't matter. Business, uh, any civil litigation, uh, anybody that does uh, uh, any civil collections law, it really doesn't matter. This one's, this one's very clear cut. And That's not a problem at all. This is Handle on the Law.